This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Planet of the Apes, episodes seven and eight. Humans are nothing. You have no character, no sense of honor, no loyalty. If they did, you never would have allowed yourself to be brought here. I mean, Galen is risking his life, and you can't even see the danger that he's in because of you, because you are blind and sentimental. And you can't control your thoughts or your emotions, and you will destroy Galen and your friend, and you'll all be destroyed. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast the Ape High Council doesn't want you to know about. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I think you like the Ape High Council much more than I do. You know what I've noticed recently? What's that? You keep dodging the question. <laughs> oh, with the, the what's real question? I realized the last like five uh-huh. or six episodes, you've really dodged the question by yeah. turning it back on my introduction. Yeah. You see what I've done there? It's uh, a little bit of... Uh, What's good for the goose? Good for the gander? What is it called? No, I just caught on. That's yeah. all. Yeah. So, anyways, though, wh- what we're saying is, you really like this bureaucratic. Uh, these guys. I want to topple this government. This ape government. With their, with, with, their, with their stamps and their regulations you, and their you, high taxes. You'd prefer some sort of ape anarchy. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, you would think there would be aperky. Aperky. Nice. Nailed it. Nailed it once again. Once again. Hashtag. All right. All right. Well, Jordan, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. What do you got for us? We had um, been talking, I think it was in the first or second episode we were uh, reviewing, reviewing, talking about this show, and uh, we were talking about how much stuff there was behind sort of the apes, the idea about how big this sort of fan base is. Right. So I started looking a little bit into the uh, merchandise behind the show, and there is so much stuff. So I have a whole, I have page after page, but I'll just kind of... I'll talk about the highlights. I'll give you the highlights. So obviously the first movie came out in 68 and the producers didn't really do any marketing. Um, I was reading about, they just didn't think there was any potential for any sort of merchandising, right? So this is all pre-Star Wars, pre-Star Wars, right? So that idea wasn't such a big idea. So the only thing they had done in 68 was the Topps Chewing Gum Company um, was the first official uh, Planet of the Apes merchandise and they had a 66 66 set of the Planet of the uh, the Apes bubblegum trading cards. I do like the five cents tops the chewing gum company. I always think of them as a card company, but maybe they they started in chewing gum. Is that- yeah, maybe. Anyways, it was five cents for a pack of cards, um, and then they also did. I think we had talked about this off the air that they did a record album, which was uh, just the original soundtrack. Um, and it, for some reason, they they didn't mention that there was also photographs of the cast inside. That's that's a little Ooh. selling selling point for the get buying the album. Um, and then there was also some a few books and stuff, but there wasn't really much beyond that until 73 where apparently they were saying ape mania took over and what brought about ape mania if that's an actual historical time period i think uh, it's an affliction yeah (laughs) ape mania um was weirdly when cbs played all the movies in a row oh just in the prelude to the show yeah as as a prelude they were just playing it on friday night and they just aired them in a row and apparently people loved it it was a huge hit which was what spawned the tv series but I have a list of things that 
came out essentially between 73 and 75. The, the long, long story about this is that the merchandise didn't have the legs they thought it was going to because it was sort of a kind of a blast of excitement that died really quickly, just like the TV show. So I'll go through a couple of these. Oh, okay. Tell me which of this stuff is related to the TV show. The stuff that's related to the TV show? Yeah, I'm just curious. Like, I'm curious how much merchandise a, a one-season TV show could get. Okay. Mattel produced a submachine gun. <laughs> um, and, oh, I, I think I have a picture of this. Aladdin, Aladdin, the company, produced an embossed metal lunchbox. Amco produced Adventure Set, um, which had it a hard headquarters, underground ruins, villagers hut. That's pretty much all the sets. Is this from the TV show? Yeah. Type wow, TV show. Set. I think There's I saw a, this actually online. It's like... Do you have a photo of it? No, not yet. I think it's like, it was like a, like a 3D diorama, obviously, but all the figures you played with were just like cardboard cutouts. That, oh yeah, that's it says it's made out of uh, die cast, die cut fiberboard figures. Yeah, so cardboard. Yeah. I, it looked cool, except for the figures. Um, there was a fun do modeling molds. Um, there Is that was, like a Play-Doh knockoff? I think so. PlayPal produced a striking Galen plastic piggy bank and another featuring Dr. Zayas. HG Toys made puzzles. Milton Bradley did a board game based on the TV series. Oh, cool. Hasbro produced a color view set with pencils and pictures. Let's get that board game. Yeah. Anyways, it goes on and on. There was so much stuff. But as I kind of mentioned, everything was between 73 and 75. Basically, the series went off the air. The merchandise just dried up. And that was pretty much it for merchandise until they started redoing the movies again that's crazy so it just all happened in such a short period of time yeah that eight mania remember you remember eight mania 73 to 75 yeah i remember well yeah i was driving my 72 something oh and the one i think i forgot one uh, thing in what year was this it's i think 74 a band a band called electric cowboy anonymously recorded the planet of the apes a musical trip album <laughs> I don't know what Sounds that means. great. Where do we get it? Uh, I got to find it. Oh, man. I want that. If anyone has it, please send it in. I want the board game. Mm-hmm. I would love to play that board game. What do you think you do in the board game? Do you think it's like you have to go find the metal disc they lost? <laughs> I, I think you have to lose it after a couple tries, and then you just change the plot. And then like you ca- you're constantly being caught by apes and having to escape? I have to take your shirt off. <laughs> oh, yeah. One you got to roll this. Like, the, oh, lose a turn. Take your shirt off. You roll a 10. Take your shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyways, there's lots of stuff. I can post this list online, but I think it would just bore people. But it's literally pages of pages of just stuff people made. That's crazy. They or made that much made. stuff in that mm-hmm. two-year period. Man. I mean, this is definitely the most merchandise we've seen for anything. Oh, yeah, watched. by far. Like, you just can... If you just go on Google or whatever your search device... Might, if you go on Bing, like Spider-Man. And uh, uh, remember, he, he, Spider-Man used Bing, and everyone's like, what? Anyway, um, yeah, you, you'll find a ton of stuff if, you're, if, you're, if you're so inclined. Listen, I'm a little, I'm a little curious... When we started the podcast, I was excited to be like, what kind of crazy merchandise will we find? But what we found is nothing. Nobody has any merchandise for anything. Yeah, for a lot of the shows. Like, well, we started with Tech War. No one wanted anything for Tech War. Beyond Westworld or um, what did we else? Harsh Realm or yeah. even, even shows that people generally really like, like Space Above and Beyond. There wasn't really any merchandise for it. It's true, and it lasted almost the full season. So, yeah. well, it did twenty-four episodes, and yeah, I didn't see anything. And that mm-hmm. would—that seems natural to make merchandise for. God bless you, Planet of the Apes, giving us all this merch to mm-hmm. look at. All right, shall we get into it? Let's get into. Are these you done two talking episodes. about merchandise? I think so. Here's the IMDb summary for episode seven: The Surgeon Galen risks his freedom and life by contacting his old sweetheart, Kyra, when Verdun is seriously injured. 
I've edited this down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that was courtesy of Ape Freak. Oh, Ape Freak's back. Ape Freak's back. Yeah, classic Ape Freak. One thing I noticed right off the bat of the show is, right off the bat of the show, right at the beginning of the show, is that for all the time they've spent traveling and, and running away from the apes, they haven't got any, they haven't got very good at hiding. They're just walking in the middle of fields and stuff. Yeah. It's like, go, go in between trees and stuff, you know? You, you want them to have a little more camouflage, a little more stealthiness? A little bit. So because, uh, as as we'll find out in the first couple scenes, they're just walking casually in the middle of, like, a field, and, and an ape shoots them. I mean, did you feel this started very abruptly? It did, yes. It felt almost like median res or something. Like, it almost started in the middle of a gunfight. Yeah, it felt almost like they lost the first couple scenes of the episode. I went, eh, it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's like, it starts almost instantly into a gunfight. Verdun is immediately shot in the chest, in the stomach? Well, I wasn't sure where he shot. It's very unclear. We just know he's shot. And then um, it seems like 45 minutes that Pete carries him away very slowly, that they don't shoot at Pete, but he just carries him on his shoulders very, very slowly away. Well, we do know one thing, because after he gets shot by that bullet, he's like, I can feel it. It's close to a nerve. <laughs> is that what he says? Yeah. So they know where it is. He's like, I can feel it close to a nerve. Right, yeah. Well, you always can tell when things are close to a nerve. Um, but as they mentioned the synopsis there, they, they're in luck because Galen happens to have dated a top ape surgeon. Yeah. Were you disappointed that um, we don't really get to find out more about their original wooing? You want to know? Uh, you want to see them uh, get down? Well, I think I, it would be interesting to see the uh, interpersonal dynamics of, uh, of ape dating. Ape courting? I mean, we'll get into it. We see a little bit of it. We see a little bit. Um, but you're right. It's not that. It is kind of fun, though, because this episode... It's so fast off the start because they just want to do an ape medical drama. Yeah. And I could not have been more excited about that idea. Yeah. This, it does sort of, it's sort of like they were watching MASH and went, we can do that. We can do a MASH episode. It's great. It's a great idea. Yeah. You mentioned it, I think last week, you made a joke about uh, like having a basketball player cameo on the, mm-hmm. and you'd never know because they're in a mask. And I realized, I'm like, oh, this is what that show should be. A medical drama one wink. Next week. It's a basketball episode. Let's get a bunch of basketball players right. in eight masks. Because honestly, I was just like, this is great. I like this so much more than the typical run, hide, chase fashion. I was just like, let's see aspects of Ape Life and like steal other formats and just use them and just put ape masks on everyone. But they don't really lean into into it that heavy. I mean, I think you're right. I think it probably would be better. This They sort of touch on that. I don't think they go full I, I, ape, ape, ape medical drama. I think they do pretty well. Like it starts off like a basically like an episode of Grey's Anatomy or something mm-hmm. because we meet Kyra she's uh out she's in this medical facility outside of Central City and um she just finished doing a surgery you notice what she, what is she doing after she's finished surgery she's washing her hands yeah don't you think there's a vast inconsistency of the beliefs of the apes it is it is quite clear in this episode that their medical knowledge well i like i would say watching this i'm like this is the nick like this is turn of right. the century. They're learning. Like they've lost a patient, but they learned a lot from the anatomy. They don't know a lot of things yet, but they're like they're figuring it out. Yeah, I feel like it's like this is like eighteen nineties New York or something. Like that's the time frame. My point was, they 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 have clearly indoor plumbing. They have surgical tools. They have lights. 
They have all these sorts of things, but they, but in, oh, in the farms, they still know how to make a fence. Well, maybe this is what it is. Maybe. It, this is civilization in Central City. And there's, I mean, someone later in the episode will refer to a man who, or an ape who loses his cart when it gets stolen from him as a dumb country ape. <laughs> Did they say that? Yeah, I believe one of uh, Gay, or not Galen Urko's people are like, ah, that dumb country ape doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, he ain't one of your fancy city lawyers. That's right. He's a dumb country ape. But I say it's kind of like, um, this sort of Grey's Anatomy medical drama thing is because she's washing up. She's lamenting a patient she's lost. The director of the hospital, um, what's his name? I wrote it down. Director Leander. He mm-hmm. comes in and he's he's trying to like comfort her. He's like, she's like, we learned a lot. Don't don't worry about it too much. And then he's just like, hey, are you coming to my conference later? She's just like, I hadn't heard about your conference. He's like, well, it's tonight at my apartment. I'm making a vegetable casserole. Your attendance is mandatory. Yeah. And she's like. All right, I'll see you there. And it's it's very much like flirty and fun and like like a medical show where they're all dating each other. Like mm-hmm. I was like, this is great. Like this is so good to watch these apes just run this formula. Didn't you think he is much much smoother than Galen is? Because right after this, Galen makes an appearance. So we 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 know that she used to date Galen or whatever their yeah relationship was. They used to. But they, but they used to what? Go to Bone Town. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's where they used to go. Um, after she has, she talks to this doctor, she goes into her, I guess it's her office, and she just notices flowers on a table, and she's like, that's got to be Galen. Only Galen <laughs> leaves dead flowers on a, a table. And of course, he's very creepily behind her, like in a corner. And I and I assume that's how he always did stuff in the relationship. He just appeared out of nowhere with dead flowers? Yeah, and so that's what she was like, because she knew right away. She's like, that's got to be Galen. Well, it's true. And, and, you know, she reluctantly kind of agrees to help him. But it's very funny because whatever relationship they had, we never get into. But it must have been, like, relatively serious. Because there's actually a great line here where as this sort of scene ends and she's agreed to help this human, uh, she sort of, like, turns the camera. She's like, just when she, she's like, just when I almost found happiness again, Galen shows up to wreck it. Yeah, classic Galen. It's just like a real, real love affair they had. Mm-hmm. Do you notice in this episode, they've sort of played a little bit with humans almost sounding like your classic caveman, caveman sort of thing, you know, like, me go here and all that sort of thing. In this episode, they're quite articulate. And like, maybe it is just the people working at the hospital. Everyone's a little bit better educated. Yeah, they have a bunch of human slaves who are called orderlies. So, yeah. I mean, they're essentially not quite nurses, but they clearly have some medical ability. Mm-hmm. Or at least they clean up after them, after the surgeries. <laughs> right. All the dead bodies. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting. Like there's certainly a level of technology and sophistication in this episode that we haven't seen. But I think it maybe is because it's so close to Central City. Right. Um, Galen has to go back basically and get Verdun. And they sort of steal this cart I mentioned from an ape. And they bring him back to this hospital. And they've kind of built this cover for him where he's going to show up and he's going to be a, a visiting surgeon. Mm-hmm. So he's got a fake name, the whole Fufara, and these and these his uh, human servants are there with him. And one of them was shot in a in a bear accident. Was that what it was? I think they were attacked by a bear, and well, they were fighting off the bear. They're like Verdun got shot, and now we need to help him. And uh, my favorite part about all this is, did you notice that Galen puts on a very posh accent? For the entire time he's a doctor, I, I didn't notice. No, he has a weird doctor accent the entire the entire episode. That's he's, not his normal voice. He's really he's really selling the character. He is really into this character. So what we find is he has enlisted the help of his ex lover to be uh, to help the surgery mm-hmm. for um, Alan, but she doesn't know human anatomy. Like no. what's she what's she gonna do? I, th- I wish there was some sort of ancient book on human anatomy that someone might have. That they would be able to find. 
I mean, they uh, thankfully are close central city. And then, well, let me ask you, you mentioned this last week about the geography and what their journey was. Did they just backtrack all the way? Because seemingly they've been on the, let's say, a couple weeks they've been on the lamb as they as it Yeah, were. they have basically, if my map is correct, backtracked from Oakland back to Phoenix. Yeah, so it's a big trip. But I mean, I think at this point we just throw the map out. They just yeah, need to get I, back to Central City. And because, I think I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, and why do they have to go to Central City? Because the hospital's just outside of it. They happen, they'd be lucky because Dr. Zayas's house is near Central City as well. Yeah, and so he conveniently has uh, a book on human anatomy that they want to help give to the surgeon so that she can do the surgery. But let's say, I don't know if it's here where you see Dr. Zayas's um, apartment, but I'll just say now, my favorite thing is that for some reason, and I don't know if we've seen this before, but Dr. Zayas has a statue of himself. Yes, I mean, that is what we see. Before we move into Dr. Zayas's house, I just want to say really quickly, okay. this is one thing I liked about the episode is I thought the Kara character was pretty good. Yeah. Like, even when she's like, I can't take the bullet out. There's too much damage. I don't know how to get inside this anatomy. She, her, her exact line when, she, when she's saying she can't do this surgery is she says, to operate in ignorance is butchery. Hmm, that's and nice. There's, there's a, quite a few nicely written lines around, like, being a doctor. And I felt like all the doctor stuff was, like, fun and dramatic. Do you think the anatomy between, like, a chimpanzee and a human is that different, though? Do I think it? Yeah. No, but I, I don't you're know not, anything. I'm but, an idiot. But you're not an ape. You're just a country, a dumb country ape. I'm just a dumb country <laughs> ape. If you put a human and an ape beside me, I'd kill them both the same in right. surgery. Well, you're ruthless that way. Well, I'm also not a surgeon. And we mentioned that Galen's fake name is Dr. Doctor Adrian. No, we didn't. Yes, Dr. Adrian. Such a good doctor name. It's so far my second favorite ape name. The first one, of course, being Jason, Jason the ape. <laughs> but yeah, we'll get back to, into them getting this anatomy textbook. Basically, Galen takes Burke and they go off and they pretend to be, they continue in their doctor ruse and like tell some ape cops they're off to talk to Dr. Zayas because he's had a heart attack or something. Mm-hmm. They arrive at his house. They jimmy open a lock and steal his uh, human anatomy book, which I guess Galen knows about because he used to hang out there a lot yeah. when he was interviewing to be an assistant. Well, that's the thing. I mean, y- you sort of need the knowledge that he was his former assistant. But if we remember from the first episode, he was his assistant all of 30 seconds before he left. I guess they're his family friends. Maybe yeah. they hung out there a lot. But you're right. There, As soon as we walk into this house, there's a huge bust of Dr. Zayas. I, I immediately made a note. I'm like, has a huge bust of himself. Yeah, it's wonderful. But and, they, and you know what I love though is they set up they don't really commit to it but it's the reason there's a bus there is they're like oh this will be great we'll pretend Zayas is sick we'll put him in you they know, put him on a, like the stretcher yeah so it's like oh his face but it's like that wouldn't convince anyone and they also don't really do the scene you think they're gonna do where like someone looks by and you know peeks under the blanket like oh it's definitely Doctor Zayas or whatever it is well, they don't do that that's it they're like how are we gonna get out of here now that we have the book. We don't have Dr. Zayas. They lay the statue across the thing. Yeah. They put a bunch of pillows underneath to like give him some. But like it, none of it looks like it will sell at all. And then they just walk out the door and they never see any yeah, more of it. Right. Exactly. It was a wasted opportunity for some for a good, com- for a good comedy. comedy. Yeah. Oh, and let me mention one thing. We learned that the apes, uh, their strategy for dealing with humans that are sick are just letting them rest. That's their solution for all human ailments is letting them rest. Yeah. And if they do, if they get better, it's like, great. And if they don't, oh, well, they died. Yeah. What they're doing for Alan Verdun is very unusual. Right. He's like feverish. He's hallucinating a lot. The the various, uh, what do you call them? Staff. The staff. At the orderlies. Hospital, the orderlies at the hospital, the human orderlies 
don't really like what's happening because it's kind of special treatment and it's weird to them. So they're not exactly making a lot of friends while they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that they kind of have this anatomy tax book, Kira's like, I'll, I'll do the surgery, but I, I just had a look at him. He is going to bleed out. But before I can get this bolt out of him, like looking at these notebooks, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. And of course, uh, now's a good time for the astronauts far advanced knowledge to come in to save the day. Yeah, as always. And Brick explains to them how blood transfusions work. Mm-hmm. And what we what we find out is that they actually know what blood transfusions are, and they have tried it one other time. It's true. It was nice to hear this. Like this yeah. wasn't one of the times where they're just like dumb apes. They're like, yeah, we've thought of this as well, but it didn't work. They just don't know about blood types. Yeah. And and what I like though about that is that they tried it on one person. And in a couple scenes later, they're going to try a blood transfusion again. And they use it on the exact same person that they tried the first time. I like there's only one person you could try blood transfusions with. Well, they, I, I'm not entirely sure how you tell a blood type, but they, it basically, Alan goes around, sorry, yeah. Pete Burke goes around and he takes blood from all of the humans. Mm-hmm. And there are only two humans that can possibly have the right blood type. The woman they tried it with before who killed mm-hmm. the, per, the patient and the other guy who they say, he ran away when he found out you're going to take all of his blood. Yeah, I like that. And, and let me mention one more thing. I was excited because Alan and I have the same blood type. <laughs> AB? AB negative. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. So I, I thought if I was there, I really could have helped him. I had this conversation the other day. I don't know what my blood type is. You don't know? How, how would I know? How do you find out? If we, you get, donate blood. Oh, no thanks. <laughs> well, you don't. You I'm don't not going to let you take all my blood away. <laughs> exactly. I run away when I hear that. Yeah. Well, you, as we've mentioned, you're just a dumb country ape. I'm just a dumb country <laughs> ape. Leave me alone. Add my blood. Leave it inside. <laughs> um, all right. This is a subplot that runs out through the entire episode. But basically, the woman they find who has the right blood type has a whole arc in this episode. Mm-hmm. Can you paraphrase what that is? It doesn't come into play really. Yeah. But it's insane. So the arc is she is treated less than a slave by everybody so she doesn't have a name they don't they've taken yeah, her name taken her, her identity name away. they she's, call her evil yeah she's just evil she's treated terribly they sort of just abuse her constantly she yeah she gets beat on pretty badly at some yeah. point. and so and what what you come to find out is why is because and her own admission is that she's killed someone her brother her brother and so you find out the other man who's really abusing her is her dad and he was like he's she's not my daughter anymore and blah 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 and the whole thing, I actually thought they kind of didn't, they should have pushed this further because I was like, wouldn't it be cool if she actually did kill someone? But what it was, was she was the person who gave the original transfusion and her brother did not survive. Thus, she kind of killed him. Well, her brother had been in a hunting accident and was dying. And they tried a blood transfusion to save him, but he died and they blamed her. They blamed her. There's a couple kind of uncomfortable scenes of the way they're treating her, but it's sort of a, yes, they really quickly build up a story a backstory for her um but it doesn't really matter doesn't really pay off yeah. and i mean it doesn't really help too that her only interactions of kindness are with burke but he mostly seems to be flirting with her like he's not showing her compassion yeah and this will come about in the ne- next episode too i think uh pete might be the one you got to watch out with yeah he's uh he's a little bit of a horn dog yeah <laughs> yeah he's no he's galen like, he's, he's like wait a minute have you been abused in some way are you vulnerable well that's my type. Look out. Look out. I'm from the past. Burke's here. <laughs> um, but yeah, essentially what will happen for her at the end of her arc is the transfusion works with Verdun. Her father forgives her. And I don't know. She's a hero or something. And her name is Bridget. <laughs> her name is Bridget. Very <laughs> yeah. important. Yeah. Urko and Zayas finally make an appearance now because Urko's investigating the break in at Zayas's house. It's kind of an interesting scene because uh, 
Zayas doesn't kind of want an investigation to happen. Like Urko's forcing him to look into the break-in at his house, and he's kind of like, ah, it's fine. I don't really want to deal with it. And Zayas is just like, and Urko's just like, well, you go, we got to look into it. It's a serious crime to break into a high council ape's chambers. And the essential thing of it is Urko knows or suspects that probably what was stolen was some human knowledge. Mm-hmm. And Zayas knows the anatomy detection was taken, and he just basically doesn't want to get into it. Like, it's it's back to the politics. It's like this sort of back and forth between them of who's who's doing what in the ape council and yeah. who kind of has the power. So he finally has to, like, admit, yes, I lost uh, this anatomy book. And Urko pretty quickly is like, all right, well, I got a pretty good idea who took it, and I'm pretty sure I can figure out where they went. I mean, partly because this whole country ape thing with the stolen cart, like he's sort of piecing together yeah. where they might be. But it's an interesting dynamic. I think I like some of these scenes the best is when Urko and, or yeah, Urko and uh, Zayas go head to head. Well, I actually think you're right. I think they are some of the better scenes and they keep bringing them back in because I think the show's missing that. They're missing that bit of uh, not only having that actual antagonist in Urko, but having uh, the power struggle between the two and the two. Uh, sides of the argument and it's not it's kind of missing from the show so it feels like the writers like oh by the way they're back by the city so you can see those two characters who we've left in the past you know it's true i mean it's they constantly are having to find ways to bring them out into the field and this was kind of at least a way to like bring them back home but i mean i like it it it, it works for me it's maybe not as perfectly executed as it could be but for my money i i'm i'm enjoying those scenes with them uh but that really does bring us into the surgery where yeah Kira's uh, cutting open Verdun, which I was really hoping we'd get some cool surgery shots, but they, they yeah. really keep us at bay. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, director Leander, her beau, drops by mid-surgery, and um, it's kind of fun. He's, he's intrigued by this new blood transfusion they're doing. Galen really has to like play up his uh, I'm a doctor from far away thing. Um, it's very funny. He has like weird beliefs that he try- keeps trying to like push that makes the mm. doc- it kind of makes the director kind of think he's a little bit of a doofus. I think that's why the director's not. Yeah, it was so, it him. was almost like a um, like a humor's sort of belief. Yeah, you know, like oh, this do this and the evil spirit comes out and all this, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's just like, well, we, where I come from, we don't do teach them with medical sciences. We we take some spirit juice and it takes it away. Except except for what 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 can't they fix? What can't Galen figure out? He says, oh, I don't know what was it. He says the only thing that's vexing us is the common cold. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and that's when the director starts laughing because he's like, this guy's an idiot. Yeah. So now, do you think uh, he's quite accurately portraying that a type of doctor or do you think he's just playing someone who he doesn't need as much medical knowledge so he won't get caught out i think it's a little bit of that i think he's he's presenting himself in a way that makes this man not threatened by him Hmm. to kind of leave him alone i mean even in this scene where they're doing the surgery the director is like hey uh, you gotta bleed there you want to tie that off or what and galen's like uh uh, I'd love to see a big fancy doctor like you tie off right. a bleed, and the guy's just like, "Well, that's incredibly stupid, but okay." Yeah, and and you and you get the sense so that he's catching on. He's catching on, and and probably quicker than they, you know, it even seems like he should be. Yeah, I mean, essentially, he catches sight of the anatomy book, and basically, he finds out. It's just like, "Hey, this is whatever this is. I know this is illegal knowledge. Like, you shouldn't have this." And Galen has to pull a scalpel on him and say, you can't go anywhere. Like, we'll kill you. We need to save this guy. And the doctor's like, all right, well, if you're going to keep me here, I might as well be useful. I'm not going to let someone die on my watch. And he sort of gets in there, helps with the surgery. They have this cool, like, coconutty 
did you notice the respirator they have mm-hmm. in, like it's, yeah well, there is a couple of funny things there's there's this weird respirator thing i almost look like it was made out of leather there's also um the doctor what's her face what's her name kira kira she has a stone Kyra. desk a stone desk but it uh, sounds about right a stone desk but it also has like stone drawers and then my favorite part was the, in the very beginning when she's washing her hands it looks like they just took tinfoil and put it all over like an actual, an actual sink tap. and i'm like oh yeah look at that weird badly bent metal <laughs> anyways but yes they have a, like a sort of like a leathery sort of uh oxygen mask with like a breathing apparatus yeah. breathing in and out and he sort of helps get that going and they seem to have anesthesia they've put him out mm. So it's not a bad surgery scene. It kind of shows like the level of technology these surgeons have anyway. I mean, and it's a dangerous surgery because it was right near the nerve. It was right by the nerve. Even she said so. (laughs) Ultimately, they're able to make scientific history by closing the wound and saving Verdun. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a a big... And at the end of the day, Kyra saves the day. And it's all sort of wrapping up there until they hear the sound of galloping horses. Yeah uh urko's arrived he's come to search for his missing uh, astronauts of course at this point we see the director leander he's he's come around to them mm-hmm. he he takes urko and he's just like hey you can look around my hospital if you want but uh don't go in that door we recently had some black plague come in and uh, the black death is in there so you don't want to go in there and that pretty much scares urko off and yeah and they are able to like send them off on their own little cart again and, and you know it sort of wraps up like they get away with it it was a the surgery was a success and uh, no one died. And and then the little subplot that doesn't matter is the dad goes, "Oh, I'm cool with her now." Yeah, I, I and she's all my and she's all like she's like, "Yeah, I don't mind the last twenty years of abuse." Yeah, she, you're forgiven. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, it it is maybe something. This it's hard to hold it against this era of television, but it's the kind of the one thing that I think is like I'm disliking the most about these episodes is the endings have to be so like pat pat they have to be so mm-hmm. tied up so tightly. That it, it's just like, it's a kind of fun. There's some good drama. I like the medical bits. I was just like, ah, I would just wish it could, if it could just spill over a little into another episode. But well, because you know it has to reset and it has to reset hard, hard. every time, right? So I don't want, I'm not going to hold it against jokes. I know that's just the style of the era, but oh man, like it just feels like a few, like a few pushes beyond those boundaries. And I think, well, it almost does feel like you could do a show where every time they come to a town, they sort of, in one way or another, uh, maybe converts the wrong way word, but they sort of convert apes into a Cause different a way. Change. Yes, and so you'd almost think that this would start developing. You know, sort of like um, uh, it could even be like someone coming along. It's like, hey, did you hear about X town? They did this, or or mm. that far this farmer over here. Like, if you just heard like, yeah, they're having an effect on things. Whispers and, through the mill, right? Right, because you would whispers think whispers through the mill, classic yeah. phrase. Yeah, <laughs> I I love that movie. Um, anyways, but yeah, th- th- there's not you're not going to get a lot of that. Instead. We're going to get this next episode, which let me just tell you right now, I did not care for. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Yeah. Here's the IMDb summary for episode eight, The Deception. Good Ga- title. <laughs> Quite the title, I know. Phoebus, yeah. I know it's asking a lot for him to love someone who's blind, but do you think it's possible? Do you want an honest answer? Of course. No. I do not think that it is possible. I can do anything that a female with sight can do. Except to recognize the truth. He is not an ape. That you cannot trust. I don't believe you. I think you're the one that's not to be trusted. You're supposed to be his friend, yet you speak of him as an enemy. He is my friend. But I know him. 
Galen, Verdun, and Burke befriend a chimpanzee named Fauna, <laughs> the blind daughter of a human-friendly ape who is killed. I've also edited this one down, but uh, that was courtesy of Ape Freak as well. Nice. And I have a note on this episode that this whole episode felt like uh, it was taken out of A Little House on the Prairie, but a bad episode of Little House on the Prairie. I mean, it's a rough episode, and we'll get into it, but it essentially is just a thinly veiled KKK allegory. Yeah, and and, and it and it does it doesn't hit those marks at it, all. It do, it doesn't quite work. I mean, this is uh, this is no Black Klansman. <laughs> Yeah. Or what would it be? Uh, what are they called here? Oh, ape dragoon, human dragoon, human dragoon. Yeah, but it essentially starts off at a funeral for Lucian, uh, father of Fauna, as his uh, tombstone yeah. says. Yeah. What would your tombstone say? Um, <laughs> Luke eater of pizza. Luke eater of pizza. Luke uh, unsuccessful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! If mine just says podcast or something's went wrong. In quotes, those being in, in quotes. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Not not even a real one. But the interesting part of this is less that that they have uh, tombstones. Tombstones is that they also have very human funerals. Yeah. Didn't, didn't you think that they would have had something slightly different? No, it is very human. There's a eulogy. There, it, it's all the same. Like they might as well all be standing around with black umbrellas as it rained. Hundred percent. Yeah. But it's sunny California. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Essentially, Lucian was killed by humans. They say his daughter, who is blind. Yeah. By the way. I think I didn't notice she was blind right away. Are we supposed to know right away? No, no. I think that's a, okay. it's a big surprise, like three, three or four scenes in. But like she's railing against humans. She's really against them. She blames them and their horrible animal ways for killing her father. Her uncle Cessnus, he's a, a crazily gray haired ape. I liked him. I like the look of him. He had a great character design. I agree. He uh, he wants to drive humans out. And uh, he's he's one of these uh apes who belong to the dragoons this uh mm-hmm. order of basically the kkk they all they all wear masks over their head but they're sort of um brown hoods that have a tiny bit of ape features in the mask like the the it pushes the, out on the snow yeah yeah for sure but he he doesn't like humans and they live in a region where the humans outnumber the apes they're they're really trying to make this kind of the 60s south kind of ideas is mm-hmm. is the world they're trying to build and you know i think everyone meant well when they made this episode and none of it's like obscene none of it's like way out in left field no, it just misses the mark it just doesn't work it does, yeah. they're not landing it it doesn't quite make sense um we catch up with verdun burke and galen and they're just like crashing at this guy's house yeah i know it's just it was a weird thing because i was like they're just there and they're just and it just felt like an inconsistent characterization of humans it was just like oh yeah they're just at some guy's house he's just like living his life and i was like it was weird but what i like more than this is they almost immediately go fishing but what was weird about the fishing is they don't use those spears they just learned all about all the swimming under the fire and all that stuff sure they're using a regular fishing run now yeah all that work for nothing i know anyway <laughs> well while they're out fishing uh one of these dragoon mobs rides up on the house, um, just classic style, torches in hand. They like lasso the owner and drag him down the mm-hmm. street. They burn down his whole house. And uh, they kind of, Galen and the team come back and they, they pick up the, the dying man. I don't know if he's dying, maybe just injured as his house burns. And Galen can't understand this level of just like insensitivity. Like who would do such a random attack? And uh, Verdun and Burke, of course, recognize it from mm-hmm. their time. I guess we're supposed to kind of get from the dialogue. They've heard about the murder of Lucian and they kind of know about these dragoons already. Like, I guess this area is kind of that them hanging out with this guy. They've learned all this news already. And Verdun and Burke kind of are like, well, 
this is going to spiral out of control. We know how this kind of thing goes back in our time. So there's only the one thing we can do about this. We're going to have to solve this murder mystery. It was like, oh, uh, okay. I mean, an interesting choice. Uh, and I kind of like this episode as the first episode where like the plot didn't happen to them. They're like walking through town. They're like little hoboing and being like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I get know, involved in that. I never thought of that. I suppose you're right. Yeah, this is the first time they're sort of driving the action. Because they could have walked away from this in two seconds. Yeah, they probably should have. Right. Also, also would have made a more interesting episode just to watch them walk around. I don't know. We're, there's, there's some interesting stuff yeah. coming up. Oh, and, and now, uh, really, really soon, this is going to be the scene where they they're introduced to the blind ape. Yeah, they they drop in to get some clues. For the life of me, I couldn't catch the names that Galen gives them because the scene basically is she's like on the coast. It's clearly block shooting with the other episode that was on the water. Uh, she's on the coast, or just like looking over, although she can't see anything. And uh, they sort of show up. She thinks they're apes. Galen gives them ape names, and that's kind of what happens this episode is they're pretending to be apes because she can't see them, which yeah. is also kind of mean. But is one named Pardo? Yeah, one's named Pardo. And what was the other one? Uh, you know what? I didn't write the, the fake ape names down. But isn't it weird because like they? I think they said it once, and then I was like, I don't know what their names are. I think it... I, I guess that's... I mean, I just chose not to pay too much attention because I'm mm. like... Like, they all give themselves fake names almost every episode. Right. I can't track all of their fake ape names. Right. But yeah, because she's blind, the the key of it is Galen covers up the fact they're humans because she starts railing immediately yeah. against humans. And he's like, well, I can't tell them that I've got two humans here or she's going to freak out and we're never going to solve the murder of her father. So he kind of just like... She asks if they're apes and he just kind of doesn't say no. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, the, well, no, he, he gives them very ape names. That's the thing. So it's like humans don't have names like that, except for Jason. Except for Jason. Um, but yeah... She tells him a bit about uh, her dad being murdered, and she says he tried to befriend all these humans, and then they murdered him, and that's that's why she hates them now. And uh, they kind of learn a bit about her. Like she loves, she used to love to read, and her dad reads her used to read her stories, and and they kind of like connect with her a little. And she loves the sound of uh, old Burke's voice. Mm-hmm. It reminds her of an old lover she had. Mm-hmm. And suddenly uncle Cessnus comes back and they kind of have to book it because uncle Cessnus isn't blind and he's going to know these are two people are humans but what was the thing that turned her i think i missed it they were because they're talking to her and she's sort of like they're like hey uh, can we come hide out in your place and she's like okay but what was it that made her trust them and, and know to hide them well when uncle Cessnus comes back she hears them riding up and they're like well we got to go before he sees us so uh nice to meet you and then She's like, why do you have to go? Like, just stay for dinner. And he's like, oh, well, we're on the run from the law. Right, right. Because we read some forbidden books. And now the Ministry of Knowledge, they said, is out, like, they're like, right. is out to get us. And she's just like, well, I don't think knowledge should be outlawed. I love books. She's like, I'm going to hide you in my secret uh, cave. cave in the in the forest. That's where her and her old lover used yeah. to meet. The show, uh, uh, if you if you ranked it just based on uh, various caves. Level of cave? Yeah, this, was, this would be a, a high-ranking show because there's caves up the wazoo it's, it's all caves all the time yeah. and this one's quite a nice cave too yeah it's not bad it's a nice cave that she has she doesn't even know well she used to know she used to be able to see this oh i she guess used to meet her true. lover before she went blind and then she left he left her because she was so gross and blind um but they do do a great scene in here and i'm probably jumping ahead luke but they do the thing the scene you're expecting mm-hmm. which is at one point she's like pete i love you so much i love your voice can i just touch your face and so then uh galen, galen has to in. get in front and she touched and she's like yeah you look just like i thought and it's this thing i i was like i was like i feel bad for her she's getting hoodwinked she well that i mean that is kind of the subplot of it it's like it is kind of uncomfortable what they're doing to this poor blind girl mm-hmm. but they they decide at this point she's sort of going to leave them here we do find out that they're called dragoons and they basically decide if we want to figure stuff out 
Galen, you should go undercover with Absolutely. the dragoons and pretend to be one of them, and then we'll figure out kind of what's happening. Yeah, and Galen joins up with uh, Uncle Cessnus and sort of makes up a whole story about like, oh, those are all the humans. Uh, can I join your cool murder outfit? And he's just like, I don't know if you can take it. He's like, I used to murder humans all the time. And he's like, you're in. Yeah, it's it's not a hard um, uh, process to get into this group. I will tell you this, though. I did catch, because he gives two fake names this episode. One to fauna and mm-hmm. then one to uncle cessness i did catch the name he gave to uncle cessness was that beavis <laughs> it wasn't was it it was either beavis or peavis no no i like beavis that's great but I'm, i i want to believe it was beavis <laughs> yeah that's great because uh, the entire episode he's like hey beavis you're coming to the dragoon me you know you, i i have to make a confession i have trouble with the names in this show partially because whatever's wrong with my brain and the other part <laughs> All the actors are having difficulty speaking with the ape mouths. So everything kind of comes up like, it's like watching a bad ventriloquist <laughs> a lot of the time. So I'm like, I don't know what anyone's name is. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's invited to join the dragoons pretty quickly. Um, Verdun goes off on a little adventure of his own. and He, he follows a gorilla through the forest because he just sees one riding by. And he's like, I, I'm going to go follow it. Burke, see you later. And he kind of finds the dragoon meeting place, mm. which is important to a plan later in the episode. Um, but while this is happening... Burke goes off and he bumps into Fauna and she's like, hey, you want to tell me a story? And he tells her the story of Ape Robinson Crusoe. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's the easiest thing. You just tell a story. Then you just go, ape. Ape. Yeah. You ever heard the story of an uh, ape catch from the right? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's a pretty good, pretty good story. Yeah. Um, but as a result of this story, uh, Fauna finally admits she's falling in love with Burke. She tells yeah. this to Galen. And it starts getting uncomfortable here. And I- I'm we're going to get to it. But they do have a real payoff later on. But it does start like at this point. I'm like, are these two gonna get together? This this might be some of the stuff that works the best in this episode. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Because when she, Fauna tells Galen, she's like, "Do you think he could ever love a blind ape like me?" Like she's just like, "Could could your friend ever love someone who's blind?" And Galen is like freaked out. Like he's a little prejudiced and a little grossed out by the idea that she would be attracted to a human. Like, and granted, species on species stuff that is like gross don't do that anybody mm-hmm. <laughs> don't, don't fucking ape um but in the context of this metaphor i like i thought it was good because galen our hero does himself carry prejudices he can't beat yes. down yeah fun is really pushing galen though to like you know set her up with uh with burke and uh galen freaks out and he's just like he's not an ape uh you can trust yeah it was you <laughs> really saved it he, he he pulled it out of the fire there real quickly um but essentially he goes back tells burke what's going on him and galen kind of make amends because galen's pretty upset like why are you straining her along that's right. horrible and he's like i'm not i didn't mean to like i don't he's like i can't help it look at this body look at me look listen to this voice <laughs> yeah, yeah. i got everything in april we want you how can you not want to stick it in this voice <laughs> uh and he uh but he he goes and sees sees what's her name fauna thank you mm-hmm. uh and kind of tries to explain why they can't be together by telling her what i think is a bible story about isaac yes. jacob and esau yep and uh she she really doesn't get the story though like he's basically describing a story where someone tells a mild lie well it's funny because he he tells a story with a very uh nebulous sort of moral but the whole point of the story is that uh Esau's harry and and jacob is not so and he fools his father. That's the point of the story. And he's basically trying to say, like, by the way, that's what we're doing to you. But she's too busy trying to find the actual moral of the story. Right. So that's what's confusing about it. She, she, what she does get though is Burke's out into her. So she's she's pretty heartbroken. Yeah, and and yeah, she she takes it badly because to be fair, she's a blind ape. 
she's like, I don't have any options, you know? I, I found a nice guy with a nice voice I like. Good face, touched his face. Yeah, touched his face. Definitely was not, uh, they definitely just didn't stick another ape in front of him. No, definitely not. Why would you ever do that to a blind ape? Why, would you, why would you do that to someone? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at this point, um, Virk and Verdun basically uh, decide that they're going to help out, which is a weird, this is a weird point because i had to really go back to that original funeral scene and remember a character we haven't seen in mm-hmm. 25 minutes yeah scarface well not even him i'm, I'm talking about the cop uh, perdox he's he's like the local constable oh right yeah yeah and in the first scene they vaguely mention the dragoons and perdox is like i don't like humans but like i don't agree with what these dragoons are doing like it's against the law mm-hmm. and I, I need to catch those guys if i can even maybe more than these killers he thinks because they're going to cause so much trouble but basically Verdun and Burke decide they're going to, uh, I guess, get the Dragoons arrested so that they can solve the crime themselves. I don't know. They 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 bust into the police station and then, like, jump on the first gorilla ape they see and they're, a cop they see. And they're holding him down being like, listen to us. We can uh, figure this out. We're going to we're going to help you catch these Dragoons. You got to help us, Perdox. And the if they're like or the gorilla they're laying on top is like. I'm not Perdox. Yeah. Yeah. It was a kind of funny scene. I didn't think it worked as well as it could, but it's a cute scene that they've, you know, they've gone through this whole thing. It's like, that's not even the right guy. Well, and it's such a weird, because it is like a case of mistaken identity or they can't tell the difference between apes. Mm-hmm. But in a movie, in, a, in an episode about like racism, yeah. is it a fu- is it funny to do a scene where your lead characters who are fighting the racism also can't tell the difference between like two characters? The answer is yes. <laughs> um, but essentially Perdox is there. He's like, Hey, let's uh, let's have a conversation. Kind of. There's some indication that they are locked up for a night, but we never see it. They're kind of just trying to convince him. Hey, mm. come with us. We know where the dragoons meet. Our friends going there right now. We can catch them all in the act, basically. But uh, Perdox isn't buying any of this. And what we are left with is Galen stuck at this meeting where he's indoctrinated into yeah. the dragoons, given a mask, and then they're like, "And here's your gun." You're going to get a kill a human next raid. Yeah, and he's all like, oh, I think I'm just going to stay here and uh, look at the stars. Well, they kind of like have a, like, they do the induction. There's a little bit of a speech and it's all over in like a minute and a half. I'm like, well, let's all go home. And Galen's like looking around. He's like, "Uh, I got to buy some time. So he keeps like trying to give more speeches himself. And at the end of the day, he's just like, well, why don't I just hang out here until someone Mm -hmm. shows up? Uh, It's, it's, was a funny scene. I didn't fully understand their plan though. So I didn't get, if he was trying to buy time or yeah. what was happening. But essentially, he tries to buy the time by telling them, hey, remember I told you earlier on that humans had robbed me one time? I saw those humans. They're down in a seaside cave. We should go down there and get them. Let's go get them. Right mm-hmm. now, you guys, we're, are we not dragoons? Let's go get them. <laughs> yeah. Are we not dragoons? Uh, and the leader of the dragoons is like, eh, it's awfully dark. Can we just go in the morning? Everyone's like, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's go in the morning. Let's go in first light. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> Seems like the worst way to commit these kind of crimes. They're just, it's a casual group, you know? Just Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. So we kind of catch up the next morning. Perdox is still debating with Verdun and Burke at the police station. Uh, Galen, I guess, has walked down overnight to this police station. And you kind of see him like peek through a curtain in a window and like give a very comical like, whoa, what mm-hmm. are they doing? He comes in with his mask on and basically takes Perdox hostage too. Like, I don't know, like the only way they can get this cop to do his job is to like take him hostage apparently. Yeah. And they basically ride him out toward the seaside cave in the morning. So he's like, hey, we're going to show you where these guys are. In fact, they get out there and they they see the dragoons riding up and they're like, here's your gun back. Go arrest them. 
And she's on the cliff now. Yes. Fauna has shown up. She's on the cliff. Is she suicidal from the heartbreak? It looks like it. It does appear that way, but she just she does seem to be mournful on top of the cliff. But basically what happens is she she like they well, they'll they'll start like like they're all they're roughhousing starts happening. Perdox goes down and like tries to arrest them. Yeah. The lead gorilla takes off his mask and he's got a huge scar on his face, which yeah. is cool, which is yeah. super cool. I look look good, yeah. I don't know where that ape was from. I also don't know that. I don't. It was revealed to us as if like this was supposed to be some reveal. I agree because what you th- what would you think it is? Is it's going to be the uncle, or it's going to be? Well, we know the uncle's the part of it. I know, but you know what I mean. Like that's, you think, oh, she's gonna. It's gonna be this reveal, but it's like, oh, it's that guy with the scar, and you're like, oh, who's the guy with the scar? And and I, I missed it too. So it was, I I thought it was just me because I'll be honest. At this point, I was just. I was just like looking out the window at birds because this episode was so boring. So I was like, oh, maybe I just missed something. I wonder if he was at the funeral. Like the police officer, I think they might have set a bunch of things at that funeral that like were hard to follow once Burke and Verdun came in because we never saw those characters again for a mm-hmm. while. But yeah, they, they have a big standoff. I got to say, the cop's pretty brave. Like they all had guns and he's just like, yeah. I'm roasting you all of you. I'm by myself. There's no backup coming. Yeah. Um, and while they're kind of having this argument about like whether they should arrest them and like whether he's on the human side or not. Fauna, I don't think she jumps. She seems to slip. She seems to slip, yeah. She slips and falls off the cliffside into the ocean. And as we all know, apes can't swim. And as we also know, Pete and Alan love saving people in the water. They do. Uh, Pete leaps off the cliff. He's, yeah. He swims up. He grabs her. Verdun leisurely jumps in a little bit later and helps. Yeah. And Well, and he's recovering from surgery. That is true. He did have that major surgery last episode. Uh, and essentially, they save her. They pull her out. And they, they pull her basically into the fracas of these dragoons mm-hmm. and the cop. And it's kind of interesting because they're saving her. And obviously, as Burke is saving her, she's touching him. And she mm-hmm. realizes he's a human. And she's freaked out. She's like, you're disgusting. Get him. Well, get it's not even freaked out. I think me. I, she's, more, she's more repulsed and disgusted, I would exactly, say. Exactly. That she had been in love yeah. with, with a human. But in an interesting turn here, it, Uncle Cessna steps in. He's just like, hey, he saved your life. He's a hero. You shouldn't treat humans that way. Like Cessna is the one who has a change of heart. Yeah. After being the dragoon for so long. And he admits to everyone that in fact, old Scarface Gorilla, mm-hmm. I think his name was Vaughn. He killed Father Lucius. Yeah. They had like a fight and he fell and hit his head. Well, they were fighting about how he was befriending humans and, and Uncle Cessna covered it up because he, he agreed with the politics at the time. But now that he's seen a human save her, like he's changed his heart. And Verdun, or not Verdun, Vaughn, the the Scar Gorilla, he starts freaking out. He's like, he's like, it doesn't matter. I'd kill anybody who helps a human. I'd kill them all. <laughs> and then, like, the entire Dragoon Force, like, takes up their match. They're like, oh, I quit. I know. I liked it. They just it hit the weight, and they all just went, eh, whatever. You guys want to get a bite to eat? They're like, yeah, this guy's crazy. Yeah. This whole Dragoon thing, terrible idea. But we come up to the ultimate moment yes. in the episode. And what is it, Luke? The gorilla's been arrested. She's been saved from the water. They're saying their goodbyes in front of the ocean. They're they're sort of just like, it's this uncomfortable goodbye where she's just like, well, I guess I need to learn to maybe like humans some more. And Burke's just like, well, it was a pleasure to meet you. And what does he do, George? He lays a big old kiss on her. He leans right in there, gives her a little kiss on the mouth. Yeah, on her weird, unmoving ape mouth. <laughs> and it was just, it's... It might have been more on the on the nose. I know what the, I know what they're going for, but it is still like... You're, you're, you're kissing an ape. 
it's weird i mean it wasn't a romantic kiss it was more like how, yeah. you'd, how you'd kiss a child or something yeah but it was, he, he had his his tongue was out though right <laughs> well i i hope so <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a funny weird ending yeah. where it was just like if anything i'm like i would wish that could you was i it would have loved if they would have committed to it i don't remember if this was on the podcast last episode but i talked we were talking briefly about the uh, tim burton remake of planet of the apes mm-hmm. and i remember when it was coming out there's a bit of controversy just before it came out because there's a rumor going around that marky mark was going to kiss right the uh, ape helen helen of carter helen carter ape or there was going to be some sort of love affair or mm-hmm. maybe they're going to have sex and there was like a huge fracas about like that's mm-hmm. horrible you can't put that in a movie and then the movie came out and there's nothing like that in there at all and here too i was just like i was like you know what i would prefer it like just go for it. They, it. What I would have liked is when he went to kiss her. There's an extreme close up of just their two tongues, like just battling. Just battling up. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was fine. It's very cute ending. It's just kind of show yeah. like it's okay. You can kiss someone who's not like you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But it, I would have preferred if they were going to go with this analogy that they're not different species, but more that they're different like types of people. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe go for it then. Wouldn't it be great if Pete was just like, you know what, I'm staying here, and then they. They just like live happily ever after. And, and, and Alan and Galen go off. Oh, Alan and Galen would love that. Yeah. They're better friends. They're much better. They don't have old, old pessimistic Pete anymore. <laughs> he settled down in uh, human ape country. Just outside of, uh, are they still just outside of uh, I don't know where Central they, City? I don't know where they are now because they said this this area is more, has more humans than uh, apes. So I they know. can't be that it's close. It's not clear. All right, Jordan. Well, let's, let's wrap it up. Um, do you have any final thoughts on these episodes? Um, I think I mentioned it once before and I still sort of have the same feeling, which is I feel like the show has plateaued in terms of where it's going to be. It's not going to get extremely bad. It's not going to get extremely good. I don't think we're going to have anything either, you know, any, anything too extreme. I think this is, this show has settled into what it is. I would say that these two episodes at least broke formula. These were less like episodes of The Fugitive. I mean, still elements of them for sure, but these were at least kind of... One was a doctor show, and the other one was them inserting themselves into the politics of life, which at least was a change of pace. I would agree with you. I just don't know if either was very successful. I I don't know how successful the show can get, like, as far as that goes. Yeah, like, maybe. It, they're kind of stuck in the time period they live in, and I at least appreciated they broke formula a little bit and right. tried something new. You're right. They're not perfect episodes by any means, but I Oh, I oh they're far from perfect episodes. I, didn't, I don't know if I found them as boring as you did. Maybe, maybe not. So what do you think of the first one? I think... I. I know you're going to like the first one more than I did. What are you going to give it? The Surgeon? Yeah. I think I'm going to give The Surgeon a seven. Yeah. See, I'm giving it a five and a half. Five and a half? And at least half the thing is just for, um. Uh, I like that stone desk. <laughs> oh, real wow. smooth drawers. Real smooth drawers. Oh, wow. We were really disagreeing. Yeah. All right. What about The Deception? <sighs> this is my least favorite episode we've watched so far. Really? Oh, yeah. I found Worse it- than The Farm? Oh, I yeah, I did not. I really disliked this episode. I just didn't think anything worked. I just didn't like it. I'm you now. I'm giving it a two to ten. However, oh wow, an extra point. Don't write it down. An extra point for the kiss. Three to ten. <laughs> three to ten. Yeah. Well, at least you like something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen. I'm not going to defend it too much. It wasn't a great episode. I, it still had moments where the writing was clearly working, or at least were able to land a couple good ideas. Yeah. So I don't. Think I, th- oh, I think there's an idea there. I just think the execution is all wrong. I think overall the execution is wrong. I think I liked how Galen showed his prejudice and had to confront that in the episode. Mm-hmm. I thought that was handled subtly and better than I would have ever expected from this episode. And I, I liked the, I did like the blind girl 
heartbreak thing. It was kind of fun. It was yeah. kind of interesting. The Dragoon thing was awkward and like you wedged know what, in. You but... know what I think what it is, is maybe it was too many ideas. Like if it was just the idea of like falling in love. Right. With the, maybe it would have been an okay episode. You're right. Maybe that is the problem. It had yeah. like too many half-baked ideas. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure where I'm going to land on this. I... I think you're right about a lot of things, though. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a five. Oh, that's nice. There's something nice about that. Right down the middle. Right down the middle. Yeah. Um, J- that's also the the um, chance her percentage chance of her living in a world in an ape world, but not being able to see. I'd say it's about fifty percent. <laughs> she was doing just fine. Yeah, that's true. She did have that cave. Well, that about wraps it up for the episode. I think. I guess if you want to talk to us about these two episodes, if you saw them. You want to talk about blind apes or uh, <laughs> hey, ape well, surgeons? I, I hope we get a lot of emails. Hey, uh, guys, just wanted to write. I want to talk about blind apes. I imagine l- that. I would like to hear other ape careers. Yeah. I'd like to hear more about <laughs> ape careers. Yeah. You can email us at continuumdragagmail.com. Do you think there is like a zoo with a cool blind ape? Um, I bet there's been a zoo with a blind ape. Feels like that's an attraction. Yeah. Well, it'd probably be on the subway if it was. It'd be a subway poster of it right beside the, uh, the what was it called? The clothes that evaporated? Remember that? <laughs> I, do, I do remember talking about from when they were under the city and then the subway mm-hmm. and the BART station. Yeah. That's just, that's for just for the, the, uh, the, the real, what, what, did, what does Jane always want to say? Dragsters? Drag- the real dragsters. Steve, Steve came up with that. Steve came up with it to, to watch Dragsters. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Continuum Drag, where we'll have some, you know, little clips and things from these episodes. Probably a bunch of things of merchandise, mm-hmm. I assume, yeah. that Jordan found. That long laundry list he gave us earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that about wraps it up. Jordan, thanks for uh, coming out again. Listener, thanks for joining us, and uh, I guess we'll see you next time. See you then. Yeah, me and Alan have the same blood type. <laughs> Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard.